gonna be weird yes hi i'm amy and i'm chris and, and we're, we're sonosphere you're listening to wyxr 91.7 on your fm dial
tuned in to Sonosphere right here on WYXR 91.7 and on the web at WYXR.org. We're your hosts. My name is Amy. And I'm Chris. Today's episode showcases Make Noise Myanmar, a two-part compilation to raise awareness and money for the resistance of the people of Myanmar. We interviewed Postune Romance, the curators of this project, Sia and Michael Boyd. They'll tell you about their journey and how they got here and why this project is so important to them. So thanks for tuning in. And up next is this interview right here on WYXR 91.7. Okay. My name's Sia. I'm kind of from the Bay Area, from Oakland, California. I just moved out to Illinois recently. I'm a video, sound, and performance artist. Together, we have a project called Post Doom Romance. And I'm Michael Boyd, sound artist and big fan of Memphis. Well, I guess it's hard to not talk about it without doing like just like a little bit of brief history. Other than like right when Aung San Suu Kyi was released in 2011, Myanmar is not a country that is on the, the globe's radar very often. There was some press around Aung San Suu Kyi getting the Nobel Peace Prize in 1991. And then there was some press around her being released in 2011. But for the most part, world leaders and governments completely ignore the fact that this country has been under military dictatorship since 1947. Um, Aung San Suu Kyi's father, General Aung San, was the general who formed the Myanmar Armed Forces and led Myanmar to be released from its colonial grasp from Britain in 1946. And then he was elected as the first elected official in 1947. And shortly after that, there was a military coup and he was assassinated. In 1988, Aung San Suu Kyi, who was living in England at the time, came back to Myanmar to take care of her mother. And when she did, she witnessed the amount of violence that was happening on the streets, like right in front of the hospital. She basically, like the the people who were protesting at the time came to her and said, you're the head, you're the person, you got to do this, right? And then she ended up in house arrest. Really good good movie, if people want to watch it, it's called The Lady. She is played by Michelle Yao, the woman from Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Really, really good film. Dramatic storytelling of her life story. But anyway, there was so much hope when she was released from prison, that there was actually going to be democracy. This is how slow things work there. She was released in early 2011. There was a promise for elections. Elections didn't happen until 2015 and were not honored until 2016. In 2016, they finally decided to honor the election. Obviously, her and her party won, but... The military was granted 30% of the parliament seats, no matter what, doesn't matter. And because of that, she has had, you know, there's only so much you can do when 30% is like the people who were the dictators beforehand, right? With no, there's no due process. You know, if you look back at like what happened with me and my friends, if you look back at her house arrest, if you look back at like her current arrest, the numerous amount of people who have been imprisoned, detained, tortured, killed, nothing ever happens to the people who are in the military who've done these things, right? In the population, 
people like in like in their mid 30s and younger they have seen and tasted a little bit enough of what could be freedom and there is like a fire i think they really don't want to see their country slide backwards to what it was in their childhood you know Back in like 2008, I lived in Southeast Asia for like five years. During that time, I met a lot of performance artists, experimental artists, musicians from Myanmar and Malaysia, Indonesia, that stuff. And had been in Myanmar twice. The second time I was arrested and detained by the military for a public performance thing that I was involved in. Ultimately, I was deported and blacklisted from that country. Three of my friends from Myanmar were also arrested during that event. This is the moment where I realized how ridiculous the, the government is there, is they were arrested and they were going to be charged with three years in prison for obstructing traffic or they had to pay a $50 US dollar fine. And so one of my other friends told me that that was what happened after I left and I wired the money to them and was like, get them out, what? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, so when the coup happened in February, you know, a lot of these people and I have been in contact for like the last decade. It was very alarming to, to hear that they had just, you know, thrown Aung San Suu Kyi back in prison with no explanation as to why, because that's exactly what had happened to me and my friends, you know, 10 years ago. And this is just like a re repeated cycle in the military junta in, in Myanmar. We started curating the project in February, but then in March, right before the project, the first comp was released, one of my really, really good friends who had been with me when I got arrested named was arrested in Myanmar and he has not been seen since. And this is extremely alarming to me. Yeah. He and his wife and several other of our, our like extended friends were arrested Shortly after, they took part in an online performance art event through a gallery in New York City. So, is a internationally recognized performance artist. Like, he's been everywhere, you know, and done like all these really big, high-level fine arts festivals and, you know, is represented by contemporary art galleries and stuff like that. And even he's not immune to whatever's happening right now. There was like a crackdown in his section of town, which is where a lot of the artists live, right? And uh, one of my friends told me that the day after he was arrested, or the day that he was arrested was the day after that live stream performance. There had been like this massive search for him and all the people that were involved in that. The next day, her husband and a lawyer went to the jail to try to talk to him to be represented 
and they were denied access. His wife was detained for several months. I heard she was released fairly recently, but there has been absolutely no word and nobody has seen him. some funding from a foundation that funds artists who are living in fascist under fascist dictatorship type conditions to kind of push the envelope as to like what is acceptable or okay and it kind of helps them with like the legal processes it's a little dangerous honestly when i think about it in hindsight anyways and like five burmese artists came to malaysia which is where i was living at the time and we did a uh, sort of performance art workshop at this experimental sound gallery space in Kuala Lumpur. And then we went, all of us, so there's like 10 of us in total, me, four Mal Malaysian artists, the five Burmese artists. Uh, we went to Yangon. From Yangon, we went to Mandalay. And when we got to Mandalay, uh, the night we rolled into town, there was this massive protest in front of the temple because one of the things that the government does is to intermittently shut off electricity for like undisclosed periods of time. And in, in a country as hot as Myanmar, like this is really psychological warfare. Your food can go bad, you know? Like the temperature is, you know, can get swelteringly hot for, for very long periods of time. And, um, People were protesting on the street holding candles and I was like recording the sounds like of the chanting and stuff like that. And then we were doing some workshops at this art school in Mandalay and we had originally planned to do this like somewhere else and very like subtle. But after the protests and after talking to a lot of people, we decided that we were going to do this like public performance intervention um, in front of the palace, like on the sidewalk. And uh, the piece that I was doing was, I was wrapped in like a, a, a woven plastic mat that people used to eat on the floor. And I had it like kind of wrapped around my body and then was like rolling down the sidewalk, like dancing and rolling in this origami folded mat. There's a picture of it, I can send it to you. And at some point comes over and like taps me and is like, Sia, you have to stop, don't, freak out, but the military is here. <laughs> and so like, I like pulled my head out of the, the plastic mat and there's like all these guys with AK-47s. <laughs> and we were just like, okay. When the military asked me what I was doing in that plastic mat, we told them that I was a time traveler and that the piece was about me being a like a tourist or a visitor and that like the, the mat was my, uh, my vehicle, right? When in reality, the piece was about how the military like eats its people and then throws them, spits them out and throws them away like garbage. 
right? Because the way that you handle these mats in, in Southeast Asia is you sit on them to eat and then whatever crumbs are there, you just take it out and shake it, right? And that's how you like keep your house clean. Um, but they didn't understand what, when they saw what was happening, they didn't understand what was happening. So if you don't understand something, you can't control it, right? Um, and if you, so, so that has to be dangerous in a country like that. And had already, like he had this performance art festival called Beyond Pressure, which is how I met him. Um, and Beyond Pressure was something that took place in Yangon, like kind of annually for a few years. And it was all performance art and, you know, art with your body already has political implications. Since the, the coup in February, there's been multiple stories of dancers who, there, there were two dancers who have been kidnapped and tortured and killed, a, a poet whose body was returned to his family with his organs removed. I'm not making this up, you can look it up. <laughs> like it's, yeah, it's, it's really there. Um, one of the people on our comp <coughs> reached out Sorry. to me yesterday to ask me if I could find out about his friend who had been arrested in Myanmar. And within, because of the circles, within like five minutes, I was able to find out like which prison she was in and what she was being charged for. And I, yeah, again, I think it has something to do with that like inability to control because you don't know what there's, what exactly is being said. The, the secret language, the art that art has and the power it has to make people think subversively or like beyond like what is conditioned to be right or good or normal or safe. Yeah. We decided to do the comps, the first comp, because of the stories that Sia was telling me. And I had said, hey, we should do something. And then we kind of let it go for a couple weeks. And then finally, I was like, let's send out like invites and see, you know, just to friends, people we've worked with, people. It was overwhelming right away to the point where after the first one came out, we had so many people that didn't get to be on the first one that we, we decided to do the second one. So. I mean, I can name groups on the comp off the top of my head, or we can plug them in later from the, the list. It's 140, it's 140 people that, you know, either her or I personally know or have worked with, or, you know, people that we curated into the project. A lot of the folks did um, music tracks specifically for the compilation. And it was a very quick turnaround. I think the first one we gave them like three weeks or something or the first one was 10 days it was 10 so 10 we gave them 10 days to give us something back <laughs> and a lot of them were like okay give me five to record it and then so both, both compilations were right up to the last second we're sitting here reformatting the tracks proofreading getting everything uh uploaded and the second one we had just driven from wyoming back to illinois 
and that night came in and uploaded it. <laughs> the compilation is on Bandcamp. If you search under Make Noise Myanmar or Make Noise Myanmar 2, um, I'm pretty sure it's, you know, bandcamp.com backslash Make Noise Myanmar. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I just, I think it's amazing that we can reach out to all the artists that we're working with and everyone was so receptive and, you know, helpful and caring and, after all the lockdown and stuff for the last year and everybody being cooped up, it was uh, it's a pretty good feeling knowing that so many people care and that, you know, we can do something good with, with the connections. I mean, it's always touring as a musician and an artist, you're eating with people and staying with people. And, you know, it's very interesting to, uh, to see how people step up and sometimes you just have to ask, so. You're listening to Sonosphere on WYXR 91.7. You are hearing Sci-Fi Industries right now. And we just heard our interview with Saya and Michael Boyd, the curators of Make Noise Myanmar. And uh, I hope you enjoyed that interview. It was to raise awareness of uh, the people of Myanmar. And we'd like to remind you that we are a nonprofit, community-based radio station here, WYXR. We thrive on your support, you, the listener. Head on over to wyxr.org slash donate and contribute so we can keep this great programming on air. Coming up, we're going to hear some tracks from Belly Full of Stars, Rapoon, and post Romance, among others. But we hope you enjoy the rest of your Monday, and we're going to leave you with some music. Right here on WYXR 91.7. Raised by Sound.
You're listening to WYXR 91.7 FM Memphis, powered by the Crosstown Radio Partnership between the Daily Memphian, Crosstown Concourse, and the University of Memphis.
Peoples who are repressed cannot think of peace because they have to think of survival. XR. Peoples who are oppressed cannot think of justice because they have been given no justice.
like we would like to ask to ask continue continue their support. We are we are confident that that we will be able to achieve our goal. Our goal.